0: Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in theta and Semitic breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. On today's episode, we will be talking about emotions being vibrations, a way to consciously tack and blanket your horse, and invalidating and judging their emotions as well as our own and what we can do about it. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, please like, share, and comment any moments that you felt like were significant for you. We love hearing your feedback, so I hope you enjoy.
1: Everybody, welcome back to Tea Time with Shaley and Amber. Thanks for joining us for another podcast episode. Um, super cool that you guys even want to hear what we have to say. Um, <laughs> so in our last episode, we talked about fear and judgment. And not gonna lie, we were kind of all over the place. We were very squirrely. Um, but it was some good stuff. And today we are going to kind of have another squirrel-based episode about um conscious tacking and blanketing and emotions as vibrations and maybe some of the feelings that your horses have around those things and a mindful practice not to invalidate them. So grab a cup of tea and let's get going.
0: Someone, uh, one of my clients was like, oh yeah, I listened to, um, your guys' podcast. Finally. She's like, I love it. It's so good. Um, she was talking about, she just listened to the number three one, and then she said she was listening to um, Lockie and Warwick's podcast. I have not heard that. Um, but she was talking about um, the whole, she's like, it's confusing because I feel like the anthro, what's the word? Anthropomorphism. Ugh, yeah, that one. Don't ever ask me this <laughs> name, ever. Um, and, and I was in, okay, here's my thing with, All of that. We talk about emotions and we talk about horses not having the same, you know, remember that post that Tammy put up? It was super triggering for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking about secondary emotions and all this stuff. And so, okay, I need maybe this is something that my brain goes to. Emotions are just energy in motion, they're just vibrations. Okay. So everybody has all the ranges, all beings have all the ranges of these emotions and i feel like with like grief and horses that type of stuff it's just a vibration it's just sensations in the body and i was like and where i think people get hung up right is that we label them and then we have our own stories about what the label means right Mm -hmm. so like grief for me means xyz uh it doesn't necessarily mean that for everyone (laughs) she's like yes (laughs) mean that for everyone. But it's how I describe that specific sensation, where someone else can have the same exact specific sensation or vibration, and they can have their own label and own meanings about in their own story. And I was like, so horses experiencing that range of vibration and those emotions that energy and motion doesn't mean they experience it. They just don't have a story necessarily about it, right? Is that like sound like a sound thing to think?
1: Yeah, 100%. They totally don't write the same stories. And I will say, so like, just from a communication standpoint, that I can get information from them based on past events. So let's say like, um, let's say that the horse that I talked about last episode that was rearing with the person and the person had a lot of trauma about that the horse didn't bring it up, but I can get information based on like their, their like inner being. And I think it's because they're so connected to their people. So they don't have stories around it themselves, but they can be bogged down by your stories because they really, yeah, they totally do. They, they just feel the human stories, but, and that's something that Lockie kind of talked about in, in that podcast, actually. Um, thought versus emotion and how people honestly almost get them confused sometimes, um, where like, they'll be thinking a thought, but believe it to be their emotion, Mm. probably because of that story. So,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, I keep saying this, but does it make sense?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And just kind of going, okay, squirrel today's going to be like a day of squirrels. Um, because we were talking about like how emotions are vibrations and, you know, I, and actually I didn't realize how deeply I felt about that until we did episode three. Mm-hmm. And then I had like a tiny bit of like conversation with some people who didn't fully understand the law of attraction and i was like wow i've got some momentum behind this like i really do believe that every single thing is a vibration that attracts another vibration like down to like just minuscule things but um speaking of like just vibrations in general um horses they do feel our feelings because our feelings are vibrations. And just from like a, like a physiological standpoint, their hooves are, I, I talk a lot about like hoof stuff in my sessions because their hooves are so good at feeling different vibrations and different energies. And like, like, for example, you know, those like telephone wires that will like go into the ground and they have the yellow sleeve on them horses can feel those all the time. Like there will be a corner of the arena that horses are spooking in or like a area of the barn. And a lot of times it ends up like being one of those wires that's like within like 20 feet of the area. So like they can feel those little vibrations. And, um, that book that I'm reading the horse brain, human brain, um, she's kind of like, if you think about it, a horse can, um, Winnie and another horse picks it up and understands like their state of emotion, where they are, you know, and all these like pitches and stuff don't really know where I'm going with this, but I guess I'm just very passionate about the fact that you were like emotions carry a vibration because they do. And then those vibrations cascade into like other like tangible things. Um, Which reminds me also why tack is so important because saddles and bridles and stuff create vibrations that totally cloud out like you know even just bits where like the ring of the bit is against the nose band or a creaky little saddle like it's so valid when a horse is getting like spooky or worried or whatever to be able to stop and like everything around it cease so that they can figure out like so many people want to like continue pushing the horse forward but they can't really hear that well or feel what they're trying to feel if your freaking saddle is squeaking and your brow band is rubbing again you know what i mean like it's yeah that was random but yes (laughs) there's just like so
0: much right (laughs)
1: I know. I feel like I have a lot to say about tack and people are usually kind of interested in tack too because, well, for one, I'm convinced that no saddles fit any horse unless they're a Western saddle or like horses love like those Australian saddles, which I might get my head bitten off for this, but I call them a camel saddle because I really do feel... (laughs) Look like they should be on a camel. I'm glad they're fitting the horses, but haven't tried one out yet. My best friend has one. I need to sit in it, and I'll probably love it. (laughs) (laughs) Camel saddle. But yeah, tack. So tack is kind of crazy. Some things to consider. This is just brief. Sorry for going down this path, but it's at the forefront of my mind now. Um, some things to consider for tack is understanding and knowing where your horse's sternum bone is because sometimes people will be very well meaning and put like an anatomical girth on their horse and then it sits right at the back of the sternum and causes issues or like the horse maybe has a shorter sternum and needs the anatomical girth so like understanding where like what structure your girth is actually lying on is like super freaking important mm-hmm. um Something that they notice too is like, um, the pad falling down on one side or the other. Um, mostly with Western horses, because sometimes the pads tend to like kind of shimmy down on one side. Like if they're not pulled up evenly, they 100% notice that, um, Western horses actually really like those mohair girths. I have so many requests for those things. Like the little like ropey yeah. ones. Yeah. They like those for whatever reason. Um, what else was saddle fit? I never really hear about horses complaining about a squeaky saddle. Like my Western saddle is very squeaky. Um, and my horses have never said anything about it. And I can't really, I'm maybe some horses have commented about it in the past, but what horses will say is that they have a squeaky bit. Like they'll be like, oh, we need to change out of the squeaky bit. Like they'll totally especially Western horses, like, cause you know how sometimes the shanks are like independent in the cheek pieces and they can kind of move around. They squeak and like barrel horses will be like this gosh, damn squeaky bit. <laughs> um, do any of
0: them ever talk about, talk about, um, like the bridle horse bits with the rollers,
1: the clickers that, that they play with? Yeah, they a lot of them like those, like they actually do like them. And some of them are like a distraction. So I think what they like about them the most is not necessarily like in the saddle, but those horses typically have to like wait for long periods of time, tacked up like they do their job and then they like wait while they're tacked up. And that is when I hear about them where they'll be like, Oh, I'm playing with my bit when I'm like standing <laughs> next to the panel waiting for everybody.
0: <laughs> That's so funny, yeah yeah that's super funny and then I talk about interesting I think about do they prefer like to be bitless or some of them just do they not mind the bit so long as it like fits properly and is being like managed properly or do they prefer to not have a bit at all
1: that is like so different um unless the person will like ride them in a halter and they'll tell me like, Oh, I want to be ridden in the halter. But then it seems to be more centered around the energy of that ride. Like it's usually like halter and bareback and like a super chill ride. So it's more like the energy with bitless bridles. Um, I have a lot of horses who like them, but where people get kind of hung up is the fear-based component. So like there's an illusion of not having control or maybe they really don't have control because they were relying on the bit and sometimes like riders can be a little bit stronger or the connection is a little bit dimmed down at times if someone is just like going straight from a bit to bit list without doing like the practice work and the inner work and all of that stuff to kind of be a little bit more balanced. I think a lot of people don't realize how much they balance on their horses faces. I mean, I know I didn't until I started riding with only a neck rope and like forced myself to do it. And it was before I had an arena fence. And so I was just riding Kip like walk trot canner in a neck rope without a fence. And there was two times where he was so nice to me and he ran away with me, but he ran into the barn. So he like stopped (laughs) and we didn't go like careening down the driveway. But it's crazy because I realized so much of my balance relied on. And this kind of goes back to our last episode where we talked about, um, getting stuck in one discipline or one mode. Right. So I realized I was relying on the way my position was with two hands also. So then I started riding with one hand and I, literally couldn't do it. Like I felt twisted. I like, if I rode with my left hand, my right leg wasn't working. Then if I rode with my right hand, my left leg wasn't working. So that is something that I wish like more people would do is just kind of like explore that because horses will kind of silently suffer a little bit in the contact. Like I, they really talk about contact all the time and Nothing to do with the actual tack. It's like you know the person piloting it,
0: right? Yeah. So interesting. So
1: interesting. Mm Hmm. And I know people. Well, it's winter, so people have questions about blanketing. I saw a question on there that someone was like, "Do horses prefer blankets?" That's another personal thing too. Like some horses are more, and this kind of goes into like the energetic stuff that I really like. because a hot horse, like a hot and damp horse or like a cold and dry horse from like a Chinese medicine standpoint. And that kind of like goes into play with winter stuff. But how people will ask the preferences, like, does my horse want a blanket? And if the answer is no, they tell me that they end up putting a blanket on them anyway. So um, I kind of... I don't really notice a pattern with blanketing I know that was like a big question that somebody asked, and I think the biggest thing is when doing the chest pieces that it's not a. Like super. I mean, I know we talked about your mom in one of the episodes, how she was like frantically, like trying to take the blanket off. And there is a method to safely take it off that we can talk about. But um, when putting on the blanket, horses don't like it being pulled forward. So if it can be, you know, like against their hair. So um and then throwing it over their bodies most of them are not worried about that but then if you don't grab the leg straps they hit their cannon bones and same with the girth a lot of horses complain about like bruising on their fetlock because they're and i just made that connection not too long ago because i was like it was one of those things where the universe was trying to teach me a lesson and i talked to like five jump horses in one week this was like 2 weeks ago and every single one of them had a uh, fetlock pain. Like, am I making this shit up? Like, why it, do I have something wrong in my <laughs> into a session? Like, this is weird. And then, um, I was taking the girth off of one of my horses the other day and I always like gently set it down. And I was like, holy shit. It's the freaking girth. Everyone stands on the left side and lets it fall into the right. And it hits their fetlock. So there's just little things about blanketing and tack that I think kind of go unnoticed at times. What do you notice with, um, do you notice anything with, what what do I want to ask here? I feel like your barn is kind of unconventional. So do you practice any mindfulness tacking up or untacking stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, not everybody
0: is a client of mine. And the most interesting thing is that there are two horses here that do get blanketed um, and they hate it. They hate it so much. And I blanketed mine for a while. And once they started paying their ears at me, I was like, okay, okay. Like you're very clear that you're like, get that thing away from me. I don't need it. And, um, and so I even told my mom, I was like, there honestly should be a rule here that if your horse pins its ears <laughs> while we blanket it that it doesn't get the blanketing service <laughs> it's interesting because one of these um one of the owners had talked to a communicator that comes here and she had told her he does not like the blanket and she's still it at so I was like so I apologize every night I put it on I'm like I'm sorry I know you hate it I'm sorry um so but with like the haltering I feel like it's the same. I, I have people do, I call it like pushing in the clutch, you know, in between transitions of like each thing, even from like opening the stall door, you push in the clutch where you take a breath and like go to neutral, you know, and then you're haltering. And before you put the halter on, pushing in the clutch before you shift gears and then put the halter on. So it's like, these moments where you're taking these breaths to check in with like where you're actually at and how they actually feel instead of just like plowing through everything 90 miles an hour. Um, and it does it's not like it slows down the tacking up process. Like I just posted something because there's a piece in my masterclass that we the section is conscious haltering, where you do this process really slow and you get to learn these little nuances of your horse. Do they flick their ear? Do they look away? You know, what are they doing? What are they telling you about how they expect to be haltered? You know what I mean? And a lot of people have not slowed that process down to such a point and been so aware of it that it will bring up a lot of stuff for people sometimes. Like, Oh, my horse totally looks away. It walks away from me. What does that mean? You know, and then you know that's where the shadow work comes in. <laughs> you're like, oh, my horse doesn't like me, and it's like, maybe you've just gone really fast, and they're anticipating that sometimes the rope swings over and smacks them in the eye, or you know what I mean. Like, so you're learning about these different um, things about your horse and how to not take it personal. But yeah, I think even putting the saddle pad on, taking a breath, throwing the saddle on. Taking a breath, putting the cinch on, taking a breath. You know what I mean? It's like these little pauses in between that like leave you and bring you back into like the present moment that I feel like when I watch people who don't necessarily have that practice, I'm like, ah, it's going so (laughs) fast. And the horse is like, and they're cross tied and they're just like, Oh god. And I'm like, man, that that just has to suck. And I even said it today at the end of our meditation, I was like, like it's like bringing in the gratitude for these horses who allow us to make these mistakes and still let us on their back and don't kill us because at any given point, no matter what you have in their mouth or on their body, like they could just say no, like hardcore. And they don't. And I just like constant reminder that like, God, they're so, they have so much grace. (laughs) They're such sweet creatures to not just take us all down for us being these humans that are just so messy
1: (laughs) I know that is so true and I think that's why it's so important not to like invalidate their feelings like if they are pinning their ears or if they're spooking at something or if they bite you like I think a lot of times people will be like oh don't do that or you're just silly or whatever and like those little joking moments are kind of invalidating the way they feel in that current moment and if we would just like put ourselves in in their shoes and if we you know got scared of something or didn't want to do something and someone was like oh you're like i actually still have a memory from a trainer where um i was going out on like my first little cross country thing and i was going to jump like a tiny log like i could jump it on my feet and um that's actually still my role as is- I have to be able to jump it on my feet if I'm gonna jump my horse over it but um she kind of made fun of me a little bit and was like you're freaking out over a ground pole and she like kind of made a little bit of a scene in front of everybody and I like held on to that because I was like what the fuck like why are you invalidating my feelings just because it's not real for you doesn't mean it's not real for me I don't care what you do like this is my experience and jumping over this is weird for me right now so yeah when it comes to blanketing and tacking and stuff i think we can kind of get so numb to them showing us those little signs and then they current moment so even though horses don't create those events together within our interaction with them. So like you did whatever you did or you put the blanket on them and you expect them to walk calmly out to turn out, like they're gonna remember the way you put on the blanket or the way that you tacked them up. And then it's gonna, you know, it's like the trigger stacking thing where then you go to the mountain block and they're all pissed because you invalidated what they were saying. And now that's kind of stacking on and you're losing trust. Like each time you invalidate their feelings, you're just, losing more and more trust. I posted, a like reposted a reel the other day of someone was like, oh, I have like a bitchy mare or something. And she was like, watch, watch me like put her into place when she tries to bite me. And she's got like the, her ears pinned and the girl's doing a belly strap on her blanket. And the mare reaches around to smack her and she like pops her on the nose and it, and everyone is laughing about it. And it's just crazy to me that like, that is funny to people because it's obviously like a physical and emotional discomfort for the horse and it's so mainstream to be like oh she's a mare let's invalidate her feelings
0: <laughs> right and i think too it's because most people are raised that way you know what i mean and i was just talking about this today too when we coming back i'm like horsemanship in general and the mindset around um how we, how they they behave behave. and, and, you know, our responses to that are so aligned with the way that most people are raised, you know, like that's ridiculous. There's no monster under your bed, like, you know, whatever it is. And it just seems like it's not any different with like the horses and people's ability to um, be able to even honor the way they feel and create a boundary around that You're very distracting. Come here. Oh my gosh. So, you know what's
1: actually really, really funny that you just shushed your dog? Because as you're talking, I'm thinking, we do this with our dogs too. Like, our (laughs) dogs have something to say. Like, if they bark, anytime they bark or whine or whatever, we're like, hush, don't do that. You know, like, but they're quiet 90% of the time. And the one time they do have one little thing to say, we're like, be quiet. And you literally just did it.
0: (laughs) I know. I know what I, in my mentally, what I said was, I know that the kids are here. I know. I hear you. I see you. I understand why you're whining, but shut up. (laughs) Thank you, but be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so it was interesting. And I posted this thing like a year ago and people started commenting on it again. Um, And someone had said it was, it was this horse that we had who was just like, had been through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And you couldn't get near him and touch him without him coming after you. Right. And so I spent a couple months just sharing space with him to get to the point where it was like, it was time to like, we need to help him unravel this. And it needs to go to the next level because he's just staying stuck in this loop because he's been in it in so long. And so, um, I ended up, having him just being able to saddle him just loose and that was like what got us over the hump was like no restraints i have to fully trust you and this horse was fast and was fully committed to biting and i and it, it, before we got in there we were doing cross ties and stuff and um and he would swing around and you touch certain and it would get to point where i didn't even touch him you know and i would just stop there and let him have and hold just neutral. Like, tell me how you feel about me being this close to you. And all of it, you can tell me all of it and you're not going to get in trouble. You know, no one's going to feel a certain way about this. Just let it all, you know, and I would do that. And eventually he would just like shake it off and then just like hold and like switch over. over. So we did this for a while. And eventually I ended up having to do it loose because he told me, if you want me to trust you, then you're going to have to trust me. And I was like, this is scary. I haven't videoed it. It was terrifying, but. From doing that, I was able to halt or um, I was able to saddle him, you know. And I even, I think, the first time she rode him, she didn't ride him with a halter or a bridle. He he had to, he got to choose if he stood next to the mounting block. And this was like months and months and months of work with this horse. And when he was like, "Cool, I'll stay here," and she got on with nothing on his head, and he stood there, and I was like, "He, he was like, I need full control, <laughs> whether or not I sit here in this with you or not." Um, but it was so interesting because someone had just commented, yeah, it's all fun and games until you get bit. And that injury is X, Y, Z, you know, this whole thing. Right. And I was like, there's just such a, you know, mindset of when that behavior is there, smack them, you know, get after them, blah, blah, blah. But like, who is addressing why it's happening? It's so weird that we've just skipped past that your entire learning as a, I don't remember, you know, as a kid or whatever, we never thought about why it was happening. We were just addressing the actual misbehavior versus like, I wonder why this horse is trying to bite me. (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah. And taking the time to unwind it too, like understanding why and then being like, okay, I'm going to have to take a step back because I feel like a lot of times people will want to take a step back for like a week, you know, or like, oh, how many days do I not have to ride them four days and then I have a show. Is that enough?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Usually my response with this horse in particular, it was like, when you stop wondering when you're going to ride me again is when you're going to ride me again. So Sit tight, you know, and it was hard for his, um, you know, human partner because that was her thing. She needed to get patient and be willing to fully commit to whatever he needed for however long he needed it. And you know, she knew when she bought him, he was lame in three legs. But her thing was, he looked us in the eyes, and I (laughs) and I was like, "What did you buy? (laughs) What did you?" Well, you're like
1: now you've got to surrender. Then that's your lesson. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and she would, so she, I would work with him and she would journal on the side of the pen, you know, for hours and hours and it would took a while. And there was a lot of big life events that she had that were not easy things. Um, and so it was quite the process, but it was like, that's when you realize that these, you know, I was like these contracts, these soul contracts, like he chose you and you chose him and you guys are yeah, going to work this out in this out. lifetime. So you better hop on board. It's only going to take longer, the longer you resist.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I think it's that like humans are in kind of a narrow mindset too. It's kind of funny. We jump from either like extreme futuristic thought processes to like, so narrow minded thought processes where if we would just think of it of like this two months or three months in the grand scheme of me owning this horse for potentially 10 years and doing things like that is nothing in the grand scheme of like our life together. But it's hard in that moment to be like, yep, I'm committed to this. It's going to be however long it takes. Like, um it's just kind of funny how we're like one extreme to the other we can't just like take things day by day and that is like something that horses say every day like even my own horses are like we're taking this day by day like i don't know what you're doing over there but (laughs) yeah Well, I think our dogs are ending this podcast because mine is whining yours is whining. Like she's literally, Arlo has like put herself on my futon, which is absolutely unacceptable and has never been allowed. And she's never done it in her entire life. So, um, yeah.
0: (laughs) No, Rocco's pacing and whining. I'm like,
1: (laughs) yeah. So I guess the dogs are, um, ending this podcast, but I guess Probably we might just want to end the pod feelings that you've been invalidating for yourself and your horse, and maybe that can be a journal exercise for people. Hell, I think I'm even going to do it when we get off of this call, and just kind of thinking about dominant patterns and maybe like the root of why they're happening. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds. That sounds all very good. We- Cool. Thank
0: you guys so much for hanging out with us again. Yet another squirrely episode. I don't know if this is going to become a theme or not, but it's happening. So episode four and five, all the squirrels, <laughs> all yes. the little nuts running around. And hopefully you guys got something valuable from this. Feel free to share if you did. Uh like, share the episode, subscribe and follow and
1: do all the things. And um, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.